What is going on, Badger fans? Really excited about this one. We got the great Evan Flood coming on the show. We're going to talk football recruiting. We're going to talk great guard, basketball, all that and more on a show I'm really excited to do on Wisconsin, and let's get it going. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Badgers, your team every single day. Really do appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, great guest today. We're going to waste no time getting into it. We got Evan Flood, 247 uh, site, site host, uh, content creator, longtime Badger reporter on the show. Evan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and I know you said don't bother with it, but I do want to give you the opportunity. Where can people follow you? I mean, what you do on 247 is awesome. So I want to give you the opportunity to talk about that. Uh, yeah, websites 247 Sports Wisconsin, uh, Badger 24-7, if you Google it or whatever, on Twitter, Evan underscore Flood. All right, let's let's get into it. I want to start with football. Uh, we got a lot of basketball stuff to talk about, but spring practice is coming up. What is – I mean, I kind of want to start here with – is is it possible that Wisconsin is building up expectations that they can't quite reach? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I, I think we're going to know a lot more in spring to see how this kind of comes together with, with all these new faces in there and, and different systems trying to blend together. You talk about Phil Longo trying to bring an air raid style offense to a bunch of guys who are used to ground and pound. You're talking about a defense trying to mix in a three, three, five with a three, four. And, you know, they've been recruited to play different, uh, you know, different ways. Um, you know, obviously there's not one way to do any type of scheme. You know, you can have a three, three, five with some three, four concepts and kind of mix in with, with what Jim Leonard wants to do. But, you know, you, specifically defensively is where I, I think I'd have the most concerns if I'm a Wisconsin fan, uh, just because you got that Jim Leonard style defense ingrained in these guys of, okay, let's crowd the box. Let's create uh, pressure and, and kind of keep that game within the tackle box. Now you're going to a three, three, five, a lighter box, more defensive backs um, who you're kind of relying on to make a lot of plays in space and play on islands. And that's kind of sort of been the bugaboo for Wisconsin's defense. Seems I can spread them out and create mismatches are the ones that do really well against them. And, you know, so Luke Fickle and Mike Tressel haven't exactly brought in a, a ton of those types of guys yet. You know, fortunately, I think, you know, Wisconsin at the safety standpoint, you know, that they've got multiple bodies there that can, you know, fill in and, and play different roles. You know, they've always been really versatile and that's where I think the best athletes are. So I think they'll be fine after a while. And obviously it's a, it's a very weak schedule that that's going to help. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a very realistic possibility you get through the regular season with one loss and you get Ohio state at home too. And, you know, we've all seen what a, Presumably a night game at Camp Randall can do for a program, can take a good team uh, to be a great team uh, on that night. So I don't know if it's going to be unrealistic expectations. However, I, I do fear that, you know, based on, you know, kind of judging how the fan base has been with the basketball program, you know, if Luke Fickle wins seven, eight, nine, maybe even nine games, that honeymoon's over really quick because, like you said, the expectations are sky high of what people think he's going to do for the program. So, you know, obviously I, I think on paper, he's got the talent to win the West easily. That's never been a question for Wisconsin. You can say even last year on paper, they were the best team in the West. You know, the question is, can you get all these new transfers to blend in with the current guys uh, on the roster in, in such short order and, and get these guys to buy into to your scheme and, and maybe get these players who have never played anything like this to, to excel in that as well. 
let's keep it on defense for a second because I think the biggest concern I have is the pass rush. You lose Herbie, you lose Benton. Um, and quite frankly, this is the first offseason in a long time I can remember that you don't have that guy penciled in as the next great pass rusher. And wh- what are your level of concern there? Who Who is that guy if he's on the roster? You know, it, it was a problem last year, too. You know, it was either Nick Herbig was getting to the quarterback or a lot of times it, it was nobody. And now you take that guy out of the lineup, like you mentioned, Keanu Benton, who disrupted so much for that defense, even if he never got to the quarterback. You, you saw the guy leaving the pocket early, getting rid of the football earlier than he wanted to, um, being able to take on multiple blockers and, and kind of just blow up plays in different ways, even though it may not have resulted in a tackle for him. And he still did a fair amount behind the line of scrimmage as well. Um, the, the outside linebackers, I think, you know, we went into last year thinking the cupboard was really stocked mm-hmm. and we found out these guys still have kind of a, a long way to go. Uh, I don't think Daryl Peterson was necessarily had the year. We we all thought he was going to, even though we, we figured he would kind of be in more of a reserve role. Obviously he's still flashing, but you know, he, he's the guy that, that I think has to take the next step for this defense. I mean, he was a crazy sack artist in high school. I think had over 40 some sacks, you know, during his three years uh, on varsity kind of still transitioning. He was a defensive end in high school and I was standing up and, and, and again, I I don't know how this three, three, five, you know, if, if that's what they end up going to, how this affects that, because all of a sudden, you know, you're taking a lot of these guys off the line and, and putting them, you know, three, four, five yards deep. Like I mentioned, there's no one way to do it. You can line them up wherever, but you know, essentially, if we're talking about a base three three five, that that's where they're going to be, and they're going to be asked to do different things. But I think it starts with that front three. You know, those are the guys that are the unsung heroes uh, of this defense, and always have been. You know, are you going to get um, guys like Isaiah Mullins, um, James Thompson Jr., Rodas Johnson? Uh, not necessarily to make those plays beyond the line of scrimmage, but but eat up space, take on multiple blockers so the linebackers can do their things because that, everything starts with them. And again, I, I don't know. We haven't seen spring ball. I don't know how they're going to do this. They, they've talked about combining the 3-4 three, with the 3-3-5. Three, three, they want to keep, you know, the front seven is, is, you know, and the run defense, basically what Jim Leonard does and, and combine it with Cincinnati's past defense. You know, what, what that looks like, I, I have no idea. My guess is, as good as anybody's right now, but, you know, if we're talking about getting that pass rush back, you know, it starts with the front three and and their ability to take linemen off the linebackers so they can do their jobs and and make those special plays. Yeah. And I want to keep just sitting on football for a couple more questions. Uh, Are there any storylines or players that you don't think people are talking about enough that you're interested in? Um, I mean, I I think everybody's probably focused on the transfers. And, and that's kind of where my eyes are going to go when I get to spring ball. Um, it's going to eat up a lot of my time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I would say guys that, that aren't transfers have been around here. Um, you know, we talked about the pass rush, Aaron Witt. I mean, mm-hmm. Wisconsin staff has been raving about him for years and we haven't seen him since he was a true freshman. Uh, if he's healthy, I mean, I've seen him behind the scenes, you know, for six six two fifty five. 255. I mean, he, he's got, quite a get off off the ball. Um, again, that that's a guy who might get caught up in, in this scheme too, and, and may take a step backwards because you're talking about six, six. And, and again, if you go to a three, three, five, where you're pulling him off the line, that's going to be a lot tougher for him than, than what he was doing at Wisconsin. Um, you know, where you could sometimes even put his hand in the dirt if you wanted him to, 
Uh, but but he's a guy uh, that I think could be an X factor for this defense and help take it to, to the next level if he's healthy, um, which, which has been a long time. I mean, he's been walking on a boot for the last two years ever since I've seen him. Um, and I think, you know, they, they released some spring practice videos or some workout videos. I, I, I can't remember if he had the boot removed or, or not, but but I saw him in there um, a, a while ago. Um, so if he's healthy, you know, he, he's a guy that you know, I'm definitely going to be watching. Um, as far as uh, offense, I think someone maybe we're not talking about uh, enough. Um, Riley Mallman, maybe I think, you know, he was a guy we expected a lot from last year, you know, kind of up and down, riding the wave as a freshman, first time starter, got injured. Uh, if he's healthy and, and playing the way that he's capable of, because he's got such a high ceiling as a, a guy that was a former tight end in high school, six, eight, just monster kid with, with long arms, got all the prototypical attributes you want from an offensive tackle. And uh, he's a guy I think that could take the next step and, and really hold down that, that, um, left side or right side of the line, wherever he ends up playing. Obviously, you know, new staff, we have no idea where these guys are going to line up. Mm -hmm. uh, so so it'll be a whirlwind there. But um, if he – because Wisconsin was so you – know, their, their overall numbers in the pat, against the pass rush were actually kind of good. But I think anybody watching that team was, was kind of banging their head against the wall every game mm -hmm. because you know, there would be a lot of moments where – you know, they're just miss blocking assignment or, or just whiffs on, on blocks. Uh, I think he's a guy that that's really got to help solidify this offense and, and play to the level he, he um, that that he's capable of and, and reach that high ceiling maybe quicker than, than he's ready for. And like I said, he, he's a converted tight end for for the most part, so he does not have a ton of experience at that position. But but if he can hold down the edge of the line there and um, give you know, presumably a more pass happy offense time to pass. I think that'll be big uh, for, for this offense. Yeah. I think you have a great point too, with the new coaching staff. It's something we've talked about. Players are going to move around that we're not expecting. There's going to be new eyes on everybody. Um, I want to finish up here with football, then move into basketball, Greg guard a little bit and some recruiting questions. Um, I have a, a sleeper player on each side of the ball on defense. I got Avion Jones as kind of my sleeper as someone I'm excited to see. And on offense, Katie Akimeli. Who do you think I'm more right on for, that's going to play a role this year? I would say Avion Jones, uh, just because I we didn't see Cade at, at running back. Uh, he started the year at safety when he was there at fall camp and then moved midway. So I, I don't know. I liked him more as a safety on his high school mm -hmm. tape. Uh, but Avion Jones was a guy I, I absolutely loved coming out of high school. I think he was, I forget, I do all these articles, but, um, you know, either had him as the most underrated or, mm. you know, so, so one of the, whatever title it was, I thought his film was terrific. And, you know, obviously he's got the versatility to play corner or safety, bounced around a little bit, but seems to have found a home at, at corner. I know he gave up the big play, I believe, against Oklahoma State in, in, in the bowl game there, but but you just watch him move. Um Wisconsin doesn't get a lot of guys like this who can tackle in space plus length corners who can run. Uh, I think he's just scratching the surface and he brings a different element uh, on the back end with, with just kind of the all around playmaking ability as a ball hawk. And then somebody who can come up and stick his face in the fan and make a tackle too. You know, I mentioned spread offenses given Wisconsin problems. Well, this is why you recruit a guy like this. So he can move all over the field and has no problems, you know, making tackles uh, on an Island 
I'm eager to see what his body looks like because even though he was a uh, you know one of the better true freshmen at fall camp last season, you know he was he was pretty raw. He, he's got a frame that you could put 10, 15, 20 pounds on and not sacrifice any of that athleticism too. So I, I think he's a, a guy, especially with the corner position was, you know, under Jim Leonard, it was just, you never knew week to week mm-hmm. who was going to be out there for, for the most part uh, beyond the number one and number two guy. It just constantly fluctuated. Uh, I think he's got a chance to, to solidify that, that group, maybe not in necessarily a starting role, but, but one of the first guys off the bench play a little nickel for you. I, I would expect to see him on the field quite a bit, you know, again, assuming, the new staff likes him as much as the old staff does. No, I love it. That's great stuff, man. I'm going to buy more Avion Jones stock. Um, <laughs> coming up next, we got a bunch more with Evan Flood. We're going to run out of time before we run out of questions. That happens with all of our great guests. But we do want to take a very quick break uh, for our friends of the show over at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book, our new sports book, with the NBA season winding down, NBA finals coming up. It is the best time to sign up to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Bet on everything from the money line, point scores, three-pointers drained. Um, yeah, listen, I've talked about my love for the Phoenix Suns. That's still where my money is now with Durant down. You can get that at a little better. Uh, Suns good to the finals at plus 650 now. I think that's a bargain. Take that bet. Cash it out in the future. Buy some swag with it. I'm all in on it. Once Durant gets back, that team's going to be a monster. Plus, lots of exclusive uh, bets, player props, points, uh, rebounds, assists. Combine it all into same-game parlays. Don't miss your chance, again, to get your no-sweat-first bet $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's get uh, Evan Flood back on here. And again, Evan, so... Uh, just grace uh, thank you so much so grateful for your just your time and, and jumping into the show with us yeah no problem uh let's let's talk uh let's talk great guard let's talk badgers basketball something that um it's been a bit of a hot button topic i've heard you talk about it i've read some of what you've written I, i'm really very much aligned with where you are on this i don't think great guard should be in a hot seat i i think it's a down year but is this a is this year i, I want to frame it in a way where let's Let's say everybody comes back. Is this team have enough internal growth to be better next year if it's the same starting five and the 23 recruiting class? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's likely they get better. How much is that going to push them over the hump from from what happened? I mean, you can look at it two different ways. I mean, they had so many games where, you know, it's one play here, one play there that, you know, they're, they're more than capable of making. I mean, they're sitting on 20 some wins right now you know you talk about michigan state the two northwestern games kansas wake forest Mm -hmm. purdue i mean the season could look completely different and like i said you know mid-season after they started 12 and 2 i mean everybody was talking about greg guard as the national coach of the year because they were not supposed to be that competitive at all earlier in the season it just so happened um you know they didn't finish as well as they should have now how much upside is left if everybody comes back and, and, you know, I I would say it probably depends on, you know, can you learn from your mistakes and and finish this time? But in in terms of guys getting significantly better, I think you're starting to see the best of Max Klezmet right now. Mm -hmm. I think you're starting to Stephen Crow would probably be the guy I'd look to that. And it's probably easy to say after what happened last night where he scores 36 points against Bradley. Um, but I, I think, you know, a lot of people laughed at some of the comments Greg guard made uh, about him being on the Mount Rushmore of bigs. I'm like, you gotta remember 
there was a time where people would have laughed about that, about Frank Kaminsky too. Mm-hmm. And technically speaking, he's ahead, far ahead of where Kaminsky was at this stage. Uh, even though Carl's a junior, Kaminsky redshirted. So technically, in terms of where they are now, Kaminsky didn't merge for another year and have that game against North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Carl's doing it now. Not that I think he'll end up in the same ballpark, but, but I you know, get where guard is coming from. And you know, he's ridden such a roller coaster this year. We, we've seen the highs. And there have been some really bad lows with him. You know, can he even and out and, and be consistent? Because I think he is the guy that kind of has to emerge as the number one for this group. You know, Chucky Hepburn, I think, is a little similar in, in terms of riding that roller coaster. I, I don't know where his ceiling ends, and I don't know where where the floor starts for him night to night. You know, there's nights he looks like an all-Big Ten guard. There's nights – you know, Wisconsin hurts w- with him on the floor. Um, you know, he's a guy that's got to get more consistent, but at his best, I, I think, I still think right now he's, you know, one of the best, if not the best young point guard in, in the big 10 in, in terms of what he's capable of. Not that he's always played about like it, um, but the bench, I mean, how, how much, you know, are they really going to give you Kamari McGee's been good in spots. Carter Gilmore for what he is, has done an admirable job, but he's not a guy that's, going to get you eight to 10 points and, and give this offense the firepower it needs. Uh, so I do think they need to get, I, like I said, I think this is what I said last when I talked about Greg guard, but I think this team's closer than, than people think it is. I mean, I've always said you give them two reliable bench players. I think this season goes completely different and helps them get over that hump that they just never seem to be able to get over. And then, like you said, the three freshmen coming in, I don't expect, Huge things for many of them in year one, but but I think John Blackwell can help is, mm-hmm. is kind of a tenacious defender, upgrade you athletically in the backcourt. Um, Gus Yaldon, you know, is, is I think he's going to be somewhat comparable to what Brad Davison was in terms of what you see as a freshman is what you're going to get. He's already highly skilled, uh, physically developed. He, he's ready to go, but, um, you know, there's not a super high ceiling in, in terms of development that's going to take place year to year. It's going to be, you know, more baby steps. Um, and then Nolan Winter, I think he, he's probably going to be somewhat comparable to what Nate Reavers was in year one. If you need him to play, he can play. Plan is probably to redshirt him, add some weight to him. But, you know, just getting some depth, I think, is going to be huge for this team. But but I do think it's imperative that they hit the transfer portal and get at least two guys that, that can help you. And I'm not talking project guys for, from down the year. I'm talking older, more experienced guys um, and at least one scoring minded kid uh, that, that, you know, can take some of the burden, especially off, off a guy like Chucky Hepburn and handle the ball at times. Yeah. And I felt just to your point there, I felt Chucky at times gets a little bit more of the blame than he deserves because he's put into situations to hit the last shot. And I don't really feel like that's his bag right now all the time. I think he's more of a, a good guard who is a bit of a force multiplier with better weapons around him, better pieces around him. I think he's struggling with having to be the guy. Um, and last season didn't necessarily prepare him for that. And, you know, it's not necessarily his fault when you play with Johnny Davis, a lottery pick, and you play with Brad Davison, who's started for five years. Um, so, is is watching him in high school too. I mean, his MO and DNA is not to take a lot of shots. And I think that also makes, I think that comes to a surprise for a lot of people that, that constantly 
get after him about his shot selection, especially when he goes to the the step back threes, you know, at the end of the game or, or that uh, step back on the baseline. That's just not falling right now. But, you know, I watched him close in high school. He, he doesn't like to take that's not his DNA. And, and I think, you know, after the Maryland game, everybody got on him, too, because he took what, two or three shots and they were getting blown out. And so I think he came to the realization, you know, I can't be my old self and, and be passive like that. And I think that does make him uncomfortable having to carry so much of the offensive load. I've been to AAU games where he almost didn't shoot and look disinterested in shooting. I'm telling you, that's not in his DNA to go jack up 15 shots. Now he can do it. He's a good shot creator. I mean, we've seen what he's able to do. And I think, you know, if you take everything and not just what happened in the second half of the year, but in terms of what he's done in the clutch um, over his two year career, I think it favors out more for him than, than he gets credit for. I mean, he had a game winner against Penn State wiped away because Seth Lundy hit some garbage shot, uh, had one at Marquette, too, after he came back and sat for, you know, what was he out? 19 minutes before he came before he came back in and Marquette got one to send it to overtime. Uh, had a big one against Michigan State uh, at Michigan State his freshman year. Um, and, and then obviously the Purdue thing, you know, how you want to look at that because it banked in. I, I guess it's up to you. I personally don't give him a lot of credit for, but, you know, it, it went in and that's all all that matters. So I, I think he he. I think the biggest thing for him, like I said, you got to get the transfer portal. Somebody I think that can take some pressure off him because I really do believe it's not his DNA to take 10 plus shots per game. I think he loves deferring. I think he loves dictating the tempo, loves defending. As we all know, he's got that gene uh, clutch gene late in games to be able to come up with a steal. Uh, So I would, you know, if I'm great guard, I definitely would target a scoring minded combo guard, um, who, who can handle the ball and, and, you know, take some of the point duties away from him too, just to make his job easier. Yeah. And that just leads into my next quick question. And we're going to wrap up on basketball with that. Um, and then just a couple of the listener questions as well. And then we'll, we'll let you go for sure. Um, is he going to be successful this off season, in your opinion, if you had to guess, are we going to look back at this off season for Greg Garden and say he did what he had to do? <laughs> That's the billion dollar question. Right. <laughs> The good news is I think there's going to be about four or five Wisconsin natives that he could possibly go get. Now, Jackson Pavletsky entered the portal today. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure how it goes. I, I don't he, – he's just not a great guard guy um, in, in terms of what guard usually targets, um, you know, especially from point – I know he's not a true point, but but his size is going to probably put him at that spot and, and – you know, Greg Gard typically gets these bigger, stronger lead guards. Um, Jackson Pavletsky is not that. Now, he's a he's a lethal assassin. I mean, he can absolutely score it. But, you know, he's kind of a little bit comparable if, if people remember Riley Lachance, who, who went mm-hmm. to Vanderbilt. And it was like, oh, you're good enough, but can I hide you defensively with the, with the way we play? I think that's going to be the, the question for him, but there, there are a couple other names out there that haven't entered uh, that I think will, which will give him. I don't think he needs to do a lot. Like I said, I think you're 
two reliable bench players. I mean, I'd, I'd try and go for three. I'd, I'd try and hit a home run here. Obviously, you got scholarship space. You got to worry about and figure all that out, uh, too. But you know, it's tough to get transfers at a place like Wisconsin. It's it's a lot tougher if you have five starters returning too, because these guys, especially upperclassmen, you know, this is their last go around. They're not looking to come off the bench or, or play a secondary role. I mean, they're looking for minutes. This is it for them. And it's really hard for a place like Wisconsin that's historically, too, been a developmental program and rewarded seniors and juniors for sticking around. And, and guys know that. And so that's why it's always hard for them in the transfer portal. And it's getting harder with, with NIL, with, with six digits being thrown at kids up front and, and Wisconsin's not going to play that game. I mean, they're, they're going to get more competitive. I think they are getting more competitive as time goes on in that department, but you know, it's, it's tough for me to say that guard's going to hit home runs here, but, but I think they're bait. I mean, we, we don't even know what are their eight, how many guys are in the transfer portal right now? I saw it's already a record. I mean, record. there's there going to be a ton to choose from that we don't even know about yet too. And, and you know, Duke, Kentucky, you know, North Carolina, wherever, can't get them all. You know, some of these guys, if you, if you can find Chris Vogt types, Max mm -hmm. Klesman, it's just two of those types, I, I think, make a huge difference for the roster you have next season. Yeah, I agree. That depth is a huge consideration. Um, let's get a couple really quick questions. And then, like I said, we're always going to run out of time before we run out of questions for Evan, getting a guy like him on the show. Um, Red Dog asked the Janowski camp, Anything new? I mean, I know you've talked about this. It comes up a lot yeah. uh, with, with Janowski, the in-state shooting guard. So what happened was Wisconsin got an early commitment from Jack Robeson, as everybody knows. Uh, that kind of threw in a wrinkle into everything. Um, not that I'm a big believer, and I don't think anybody should be looking at scholarship space in, in today's era where you, know, you typically lose two or three guys every offseason anyway. Uh, but but they kind of see him as a two, may, uh, possibly a three, depending on who else joins the class. Now, the question is, you know, who else is going to join the class? And, and right now, the top overall target is Con Knipple, a two or a three. And they also need a true point guard in this class uh, because Chucky Hepburn will, will be a junior next year. And he's really the only true point guard on, uh, on, on the roster uh, um, beyond Kamari McGee, uh, who's, you know, if all things go well, it's never going to start a game for you. But um, I think they're still in wait and see mode uh, on this one. I know there's not a lot of dialogue going between the two sides, but that's happened with a lot of people. I mean, Gus Yaldin up until March wasn't really hearing from the staff. You know, once, once they go, they go. Uh, so I think, you know, that he plays AAU with Conkinipple. Wisconsin will be there watching. So, yeah, I wouldn't call it dead. I just think they need to see what happens with Khan, you know, whether or not they're going to keep him in state or he's going to go to Virginia or someone else. You know, if Khan turns him down, I, I think that opens up a lot for, for Nick Janowski. Now, personally, I, I think it's a mistake from where you're at to not push your chips in there because even if he's the, you know, Plan, not plan A, but but if he ends up being the gem of your class, I still think he's a guy Greg Gard can win a lot of games with, mm -hmm. and he helps you in way with a lot of stuff you don't typically have right now. And you know you get into these games, 
You look at what happened against Indiana. You look at what happened against Northwestern twice where you just can't put the ball in the basket. You know, that's happening too many times over the last couple of years on these Greg guard teams. You know, this is what Janowski does. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they have a guy beyond Connor Asijin who just knows the ball is going in every time he shoots it and, and just has that level of confidence. And then Janowski's a lot better scorer on the ball, you know, with his ability to handle it and create off the bounce that, than Connor is. Uh, so I, I think eventually, you know, per, just my guess that they come around, that's nothing more than a guess, but, you know, like I said, I think a lot, lots in wait and see mode and it's going to be more clear uh, this spring, but, yeah, I can tell you this, there's going to be a point where he's going to move on. You know, it could be tomorrow, could be April, May, June. I, I don't know when it is, but, you know, there will be a point where, you know, he looks at the people who want him the most in Wisconsin's uh, on the outside looking in if they do want to get in. So a uh, lot's riding on that Conkinipple recruitment right now for sure. What's your, what's your really quick feel on, on Conkinipple in terms of where what his timeline is and where do you think he's probably ending up? He says, you know, closer to September. Now, my feeling and what a lot of people have told me, I, I think it's Wisconsin or Virginia, maybe Marquette. I, I think they're kind of in that next tier. I know, you know, he has a really great relationship with the staff, and obviously they're right in his backyard. But, you know, in terms of basketball fit, you know, I think you go to Wisconsin or Virginia, Um but before you go to, to, to Marquette, no knock on them, just the way he plays, you know, fits those other two programs to a T. So mm-hmm. I know he, I know he had a great official to, to Virginia and, and they kind of knocked it out of the park on that one. Um, you know, I think he's, you know, still a Badger fan at heart. It, it'll be close. Um, uh, Wisconsin's probably got a little ground to make up. You know, we'll see if that official for Virginia loses, it loses its luster, uh, but but Wisconsin's, you know, right there, you know, from everything I've heard. And and I know I think distance, you know, may end up being what what gets him uh, to be a Badger. Big family. Both his parents were outstanding basketball players. You know, he relies on them a lot for, for his skills. Uh, so being close to home, you know, be able to watch all his brothers play. Uh, I know it would be a big deal, but. You know, it's Tony Bennett in, in, in Virginia, you know, like uh, like Joe Krabinoff once told me, you know, I, I'd send my kids to play for Tony Bennett, you know, yeah. so he's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, that's that's well said. Uh, one more quick question here, and then we'll wrap up there. I didn't get to every question, which I apologize for, but I don't want to keep Evan for too long. I got I got time if you. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got a couple questions. You're cool. Okay, yeah, we can go. I can go. Baby's uh, asleep. <laughs> I love. Oh, I love it. Mine are mine are asleep as well. Um, this is from Shell. Status on Corey Smith, Jordan Marshalls, flipping over to, to football recruiting here with the running backs. Corey Smith, odds are probably Wisconsin. I don't think it's going to be imminent, but, you know, I think he's another guy that, you know, him and his family really value staying close to home. You know, the interesting thing is Wisconsin's in a lot of running backs, and you talked about Jordan Marshall. You know, what what happens, you know, if you get one of these other guys um, to commit first who are – similar now i i can't speak to what the staff's approach is is going to be I, I would guess Corey smith's a take no matter what you know even if it's a day before the late signing period i'm guessing they they would take him now whether or not wisconsin can wait that long and not take anybody else i think uh is the big question but but i like wisconsin there um i know the penn state offer the new one that he just got was big 
Um, Notre Dame and, and Tennessee are two others he likes, but you know Wisconsin's from from what I've been told has been out recruiting those two by a mile, and and you know has made it very clear they want him above everybody else right now. And he, he just took some SEC visits, didn't come away with offers. Alabama was one, so that could be something to monitor here in the summer too. But you know, right now I think Wisconsin's in a good spot. Jordan Marshall, I don't expect Wisconsin to get him, but you know. I always get asked, you know, who, who's the guy that Wisconsin could surprise for or is in better mm-hmm. shape than, than people think. Uh, he's definitely number one or, or number two on my list uh, just because he's got great relationships with the staff that came over from Cincinnati, mm-hmm. mainly the head coach, Luke Fickle. I uh, played with one of his sons. Uh, they lived, you know, very close to each other um, in the same town, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, so they, he's known those guys for a long time. And, and obviously it doesn't hurt that Wisconsin's had a heck of a running back tradition. Uh, Wisconsin in the top five. I, I can't remember who the other, all the other five are off the top of my head, but, but I'd watch Ohio state and Tennessee at, at kind of the top of those right now. My gut tells me Wisconsin comes close, but doesn't quite get them. But you know, I, I think everything's still up for grabs on him. Oh, that's great. And that actually dovetails into the next question. Also from Shell. One or two dudes a cycle you'd see committing that will be surprising people. Marshall, certainly one of them you just talked about. Is there another guy kind of out there that Wisconsin might surprise people with? Um, Ronan O'Connell, I don't know if uh, that's a surprise, but he's not a guy that I think a lot of people are talking about, and he keeps things close to the vest. Uh, probably, I, I think a lot of people assume Tennessee because he's a Tennessee kid with a Tennessee offer, but you know, the old staff did, did a really good job on him and, and got him on campus. Uh, like Grant Steck, who, who committed to Wisconsin, though he O'Connell was recruited by Cincinnati and had a relationship with a lot of those guys that, that came over. Uh, so, so he's kind of one of those, you know, in that same mold that, you know, Wisconsin benefited from the coaching turnover. Uh, you know, word is he wears a lot of Badger gear back home, you know, whether or not that <laughs> means something, it usually does, but you know, it's not anything you take to the bank, but uh, he, he's a high three-star kid with a loaded offer list, offensive tackle, if I, I didn't mention that. You know, Tennessee, Miami, Florida State, Auburn are, are all in there. But uh, I, I could see him kind of leaving there for, for Big Ten country. Uh, next one up from uh, B. Tomps, 07. Uh, ask him, what, what's maybe the holdup with some of the in-state offensive linemen not jumping on Badger offers? Uh, deep class, obviously talking about. But if correct me if I'm wrong, these aren't guys that that grew up in state necessarily like Roy grew up out of state correct or am I yeah Nathan Roy's from out west so he's only he got to McGuanago his sophomore year so he's not a typical in-state offensive lineman that you know I think you know had he grown up here probably jumps on (laughs) jumps on it because he's just he feels like a bad you know badger kid just from from out west I, I think they still have a very good chance uh, with him, but, uh, you know, just got the UCLA offer where his uh, brother plays. I think, you know, he, he's got to look at that and some of those other West Coast are. He's, he's got Ohio State too. So I, th- I think in time, you know, if I had projecting today, uh, I'm going off very little confidence, but, but I would have him in this class. Uh, Donovan Harbor, I think Wisconsin, Ohio State, are going to be in this in the end. And I know that scares a lot of Badger fans uh, because they typically, you know, Ohio State's one of those programs that's had mm-hmm. success coming in here and plucking offensive linemen. But, 
it's going to be another one of those, uh, in my opinion. And then, you know, Derek Jensen, I, I don't really know what's going on with, with him. He's a guy that, uh, you know, doesn't like to do interviews from what I'm told. Um, I would think, you know, based on his offer list, yeah, that'd be a guy that, that jumps on, on this, but, um, you know, you look at what the staff is doing, uh, they've got close to 30 offers extended to offensive linemen, which is a you know, high number to begin with. It's even higher when you got in-state guys to, to choose from. So um, I know Wisconsin leads for uh, Marcus Harrison out of New York right now. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy I could maybe see getting left out of it, but, but I'm kind of just speaking – um, off my gut right now, not anything I know because because Jensen's you know very quiet and, and reserved and you know doesn't do a lot of media, so I, I really don't know where you know they are with him. Uh, but yeah, I'm just putting two and two together on there with the, the high amount of offers and you know some of the guys Wisconsin is in deep with, like I mentioned, O'Connell, Harrison, and others. They got a lot of guys coming to campus here uh, in, in the spring too. So you know if they get one or two guys and you still got those other you know, two big in-state recruits, Roy and, and Harbor out there, you know, and not a safe bet that, you know, they are able to get a guy like Jensen. You think four or five's the number at offensive line this year? It, it feels like it. Yeah. Um, they didn't do a lot in the last cycle. So obviously they got to make up, you know, make up some ground there and, um, you know, brought in two, two transfers that could kick some other people out. So I could see a situation where, you know, they don't want to go into 2024 um, short on, on numbers. So yeah, yeah, I would say four at least. Uh, three more quick questions. The first one, we can do these quickly. Uh, Tyler Wall coming back, yes or no? <laughs> Everything I heard was yes. And then he cried, he didn't cry, but he was holding back tears after Ohio State when somebody asked him about this being – potentially his last game. And that made me second guess everything I thought I knew. Um, <laughs> I'm, his mom also posted on Facebook. Uh, this was before they, they switched the seeds. So Wisconsin was a three seed at the time in the NIT that this was, you know, Tyler's last game at the Cole center. I'm still saying yes, <laughs> but it's a cautious. Yes. Yeah, I it just both those things kind of threw me. You know, I la, every conversation I had was he, he was coming back, and you know, the uh, oops, sorry, the uh, the uh, team had kind of rallied around the idea of bringing everything back and, and making a big run next year. So I'm gonna stick to that, but I'm a lot less confident than I was a week ago. Gotcha. Um, if you had to project out, who do you think are the top four pass catchers for the Badgers next year in terms of reception? Well, Bryson Green, Shimmer DK are the, the easy ones, right? I think you keep Skylar Bell in there. Uh, he just had too good of a freshman year, uh, and I really like him. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about C.J. Williams. I, I, I'll put him as my four. But I, I think, you know, people, because of the five-star rating in high school, are, are maybe expecting him to kind of hit the ground running and be a number one, number two guy. Um, I, I don't know that he's there yet. We'll know a lot more in, in spring. I, I'll keep him as my number four. But, um, you know, you obviously got Marcus Allen, who's, you know, been here two years, done some nice things, opted to come back. Keontes Lewis, 
uh, was a big play guy for, for them last year. I'm sure he's not necessarily looking to just hand over his role, you know, after the year he had, uh, despite limited, uh, limited attempts. So uh, I'll, I'll throw CJ Williams into that last four, but um, just out of a, uh, I'm a company man, and he was a five-star guy, so I I'll, I'll roll with him. Go with the hype. All right, last question yeah. here. Which head coach closes better, Bielema, Chris, Gary Anderson, or Luke Fickle? <laughs> well, it's not Chris. <laughs> Chris. God. It means obviously Luke Fickle right now, but <laughs> – He's got the least amount of uh, <laughs> we got the least amount to work with, but he he did such an incredible job in the transfer portal. I don't know how you could go with with anybody else. I feel mm-hmm. like every guy they wanted, they got with maybe two exceptions. I mean, I can think of two guys off my head, off the top of my head, that they wanted and and just didn't get. And they didn't get them to campus. See, every guy they got to campus, they basically closed right then and there. Now we'll see if it it translates to you know, the 2024 recruiting class and, you know, going forward. But right now, I mean, that track record is, <laughs> I can't give it to Bielema. I can't give it to Anderson. It's got to be fickle. It's got to be fickle. Nah, it's, it's great, man. Thank you so much for for jumping on the show, staying a few minutes extra. Evan Flood of 247. Uh, we are smarter because you were here, man. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I had fun. On Wisconsin. And hopefully we'll get Evan on at some point again.